Welcome to the Campus Future Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Darrell. This is episode 31, Drew Brees, Wisdom in Campus Conversations. Welcome over to the Campus Preacher Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Darrell, on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, flfnetwork.com or crosspolitic.com. This is episode 31, and we're going to be ever so briefly discussing uh, Drew Brees, and then I'm going to play a couple clips uh, from campus, um, kind of campus conversations that you can get an idea a little bit of what I do, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to record um, my preaching uh, get the audio, and then from there be able to play clips uh, so that you guys can hear some interactions of what it practically looks like on campus. Uh, my voice is a little bit low because when you're when I start to preach uh, five hours a day uh, after uh, several weeks, uh, my voice gets a little bit weak, um, but hopefully it's not too bad. And uh, so we're going to get into some of the campus conversations here in a little bit. But one of the things I wanted to brush on was it's probably been two weeks ago now. So here's what happened. Last Monday, I did not drop a podcast. I'm supposed to drop a podcast basically every Monday night slash Tuesday morning. And so last Monday, um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start recording uh, my conversations on campus. So I uh, brought out a Tascam recorder, got a microphone, uh, put it in my backpack, and I began to preach. And I thought, well, you know what I'll do? I'll preach. Then I'll sit down and I'll set up the mic and as people come to me and we kind of talk one-on-one uh, or in small groups, that'll be a good opportunity to uh, record the conversations and the discussions and then from there be able to roll them out on the podcast. Um, so I start preaching and a pretty good crowd gathers pretty quickly and before I know it, my backpack is MIA. And so where my recorder was, was missing. So I just assume it got stolen. Uh, that day, uh, people poured water on my Bible. By the grace of God, it all landed on the cover and literally did zero damage uh, to the Bible. It was a brand new Bible. So fortunately, nothing happened there. And uh, the police took the people away who uh, poured the water on my Bible. And they're, and he's like, hey, is anything else missing or wrong? I was like, well, my backpack's missing. And he's like, right, I'll keep an eye on it or for it. And the backpack didn't show up. And uh, funny enough, I finish up my day and I'm talking with my buddy. And I was like, hey, man, uh, my backpack got stolen. And I hear some students say, it was thrown in the bushes over there. I was like, really? Like, you guys couldn't have told me that five hours ago or four hours ago, whatever it was. And uh, so fortunately, I was able to get my back backpack back. I was able to get my uh, recorder, my microphone, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I was unable to record that day. Next day, I go out to preach. Uh, dead batteries. <laughs> um, so even though I was more equipped that day, I did not have a working battery in the microphone. Um, I was able to record the next day. And then on the third day after that, unfortunately, which would have been Thursday, um, the batteries in the task cam died. So I'm learning. So give me a little bit of uh, grace here. I'm learning what I'm doing. And uh, so I have a little bit of conversations and uh, the two I'm going to play are actually after I'm done preaching. Um, one of the challenges I have right now is um, recording the actual preaching, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, once I learned to play with GarageBand a little bit more, or even some other uh, audio level thing, uh, when you have a microphone right there and you're preaching, I'm projecting, I'm pretty loud, you can't really hear the students um, in that setting, but you can hear me. When it's more one-on-one, uh, the microphone kind of picks up both of us. So right now, I feel like the quality of the more one-on-one discussions 
uh, are a little more clear than the more public preaching. Um, so hopefully over the next few weeks, I'll learn what I'm actually doing and uh, be able to provide, uh, give you guys an idea of what some of the conversations are like, and then you can kind of hear some apologetics or whatever it is that I do and even discussions in very practical terms uh, as I try to explain stuff. And then from there, I would love your input. And I will say one of the tough things, though, is when you go back, you listen to some of this, I was like, man, that's not a good explanation, Keith. Or, um, man, I didn't finish that thought well enough. And so it's actually really good. It's kind of like going back and watching game tape. So if you've ever played a sport and you had yourself recorded and you're able to go back and observe what you did, um, it's actually just tremendously helpful from an evaluation standpoint. So uh, even just very practically, I'm glad I'm recording it. Because uh, I realize that I allow myself too often uh, while I'm preaching, I'll get a question from somebody, I'll go to develop that and answer it. And I won't totally answer it as thoroughly as I would have liked before someone else is answering a question, I'm moving on. Um, so it's really good for me to um, do this as an exercise. Uh, but before I get into that, I just wanted to briefly comment. So because uh, I got I received a couple texts actually and actually one message. So a few weeks ago, Drew Brees basically had a video bring your Bible to school. And then next thing you know, uh, the LGBT, the alphabet people start coming after him. And Drew kind of makes a broad statement that we accept everybody. And I actually began to think about this a little bit a year ago. And once again, I'll butcher a name, Laura Dangle. I think she's a Christian musician, Laura Dangle or Dingle. Um, but a year ago, basically, she was asked about the gays and she gave some sort of vague answer. And next thing you know, she's being eaten alive by uh, conservative Twitter, conservative Christian Twitter, and also kind of left to see Twitter, and there's really no good home to go. And, and so what I want to be able to do, so I'm a, I'm a public preacher. Most people know my stance on the alphabet people, and most people know what I'm going to say. And, um, and I even, to an extent, just because people can't hear clearly on a college campus, it's such an emotional issue, I actually even not dodge it in any way as if I'm afraid to address the issue. Um, but I'm trying to set it in a broader context constantly. So when I think of people, a Drew Brees, who's not a preacher or a teacher in a church, when I think of Laura Dangle, who is you know making her music, and I don't know anything about her, I don't know anything about Drew Brees, I'm going to take both their confessions and their baptism as valid and legitimate, and they're Christians, they're trying to serve Jesus. And uh, I think the last thing that the church needs right now is when someone who is in a non-authoritative position, we're not dealing with revoice people, we're dealing with lay Christians trying to live their life, who the world is basically trying to catch in a trap. And so it hit me with Laura Dangle a year ago when she was asked a question. And what I realized um, oftentimes, and this isn't the totality of what is going on with Jesus, but in simple terms, the Pharisees would often come up and try to get Jesus in a trap, set him against either Moses um, or the Roman Empire to try to get him into trouble. And Jesus had the wisdom to kind of flip the script on the Pharisees without necessarily getting himself in the pickle per se and revealing the sin of the Pharisees or whoever it was that were seeking to catch him in a trap. So when I think of a Drew Brees, when I think of a Lord Dangle, who someone is coming to them, asking them a question about the homosexual issue, um, I think we all need to learn to have wisdom that in those contexts a direct confrontation is not necessarily the best answer. It may be at times, it may not be at other times. And what we need to learn as Christians is to fear God, that we would be shrewd as serpents as we're interacting with those who are simply seeking to trip us up, destroy us, destroy our witness um, on things that, yeah, homosexuality is wrong, uh, but there's little doubt we need wisdom 
in addressing that thing. And so I realize oftentimes in conservative, reformed, uh, evangelical Twitter, um, not just Twitter, but just kind of life, we think a more direct confrontation is the way to go. And I just think we need more wisdom in dealing with these issues. So that's where I'm coming from on that. So uh, for the couple messages I received, um, I just want to say, look, yeah, obviously, I think we should have a backbone and take a stand. I also think taking a stand, having wisdom does not necessarily look like immediately directing, uh, directly answering all the questions the world throws at us, especially when, so to speak, like the Pharisees were, they're trying to catch us in a trap. And in a sense, the progressives of our culture are the Pharisees of the day. They're the purists on everything that are trying to eradicate all toxicity. And so we need wisdom in dealing with them, and we also need a lot of grace um, and Drew Brees and the Laura Dangles and all those people of the world um, who are not leading the church need a lot of grace as well. And so the last thing we need to do is just be attacking and beating these people up, even if we think they screw up and they did not give uh, a good enough answer for us. Because um, in many ways, they're not trained to give answers. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they have responsibilities towards the companies that they're working for, the business that they're working for, and all that sort of jazz. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to uh, say that because I think um, Jesus, in many ways, did not always answer things in direct confrontation, and he had wisdom in dealing with it, and he was uh, shrewd as a serpent and peaceful as a dove and had wisdom and yet was able to flip the script, and we need to learn to do that. So uh, with that said, um, we're going to move on into a couple uh, basically discussions that I had on campus. Uh, the first one is going to be from a young man who um, came up to me after I was preaching, and actually I had a really good time preaching this day, and uh, he came up to me and just had a question about agnosticism. He claimed to be an agnostic. So here's a little bit, uh, or I think it's basically the whole conversation uh, that I had with him, and so uh, you can take a listen to this, and then I'm going to play another clip of a Christian who came up to me to ask for some clarification regarding some uh, moral issues that I spoke about. I just had a really quick question. Yeah. I got here kind of recently, but what's your opinion on someone who's just agnostic? Um... Uh, kind of with respect to I love them. Uh, so my opinion of yeah. them is I love them. I desire they're good. Yeah. Um, but I think intellectually, I, depending on how they want to define their agnosticism, uh, I think ultimately we're all in touch with knowledge of something. The only way I can be skeptical of something is if I know something. Um, and so I don't think a global skepticism works. Because um, even if you say, I can't know anything, is that a truthful statement or something you don't that's really a, know? That's sort of what I Because that's me, right? Okay. I'm, I'm very much like, what I know is that I don't know anything, which is a paradox within itself. Mm -hmm. So I figure I'm just going to pursue what I want to pursue and try to be good to people mm -hmm. and be okay with not knowing. But even when you smuggle in the good, you have some concept of the good that you know what it is. My own concept. Okay. Yes. So if your own concept of the good is uh, running up and punching people, uh, the knockout game, you think it's a good idea to run around the city and punch random people. But, but if, yeah, but you wouldn't no, do that. If, but, but if that was my yeah. Answer. But but if good. But if I but if if you don't know what the good is, it's, it's have a good day. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> I guess you didn't like my message. Um, so you have, uh, yeah, so I would say so I would say you do know things. Uh, you do know what the good is long before the preacher arrived or anything like that. And I don't think it's mere social construction. Uh, some of it's obviously socially constructed. Um, uh, and so, like, you know, how we treat one another, where we shake hands or kiss. You know, I mean, there's a handful of things that are socially constructed of how we properly greet one another that I don't have a problem with. But, you know, the idea of just walking up and decking somebody, uh, we're kind of like, let's 
you know, pretty pretty foreign to any any concept of good that we have. So so I would say in general, the agnostic, the minute you start talking, they start smuggling in things that you realize no, they do kind of know. Even when you use the term good, all right, if you don't know what the good is, you can't say. But I try to do good. Um, you, you, just, you just do what you want to do, uh, whether it's good or evil. We don't even know what that is. We, I just do what I want to do. So so that that's a place where I'd want to push the agnostic more. Is they, they are, and even the way you live, you know what I mean? Like you look both ways when traffic's coming because you know there are other cars. Um, even coming up asking a question, you expect language to have some meaning. So I would say as, as we really got into it, you'd realize more and more like, yeah, there are a bunch of things I am assuming and granting that I do know and I interact with the world and I do desire love and justice and, you know, when someone shoots up El pa uh, Walmart, you're kind of like, that's evil, you know what I mean? So there's a bunch of that stuff going on that I'd want to push back on the agnostic. So but you're saying is that if I know these things just like internally for myself, there has to be something that's like allowing me to know those. Yeah, so I, I would want to argue, we have one of two ways. There's either through the evolutionary process that somehow embedded in you was you don't just walk up and punch somebody or maybe your social, uh, social structure gave it to you. Um, but I would want to argue that in, as an image bearer of God, you come in the world with certain knowledge and categories that you're operating with of good, good and evil, right or wrong, that, that are blurred. Because even when you're little, like, um, when I was little, I was the youngest of five kids, my mom would bring home like fruity pebbles, and if she brought it home, I'd go and hide them from the other siblings, you know what I mean, I'd hide them in a couch. And, uh, but if one of the other siblings did, I'd get so mad. You know what I mean? I was like, Mom, Brad stole them! And I'd get so mad, and, uh, and like, so here was being a hypocrite, because I, I hated when he would hide them, but I would do it myself. And so, yeah. so I, I, I don't think that's merely given to me by my society, but I believe it's part of being an image bearer of God that we ought to be fair. So even when you're little, you don't have a full concept of it. You're like, that's not fair. You have some concept of that that I don't think is fully embedded in you from your culture, although some of those things are shaped by your culture. So I think it's an odd dance. I can't, I don't know how to spell it all here, yeah. but, but both are true. No, so. okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and like me personally, I, at least right now, and I don't know, how, you know, I'm always open to hearing these things, but I I believe it's the social construction in the evolution, and, and you know, I, mm -hmm. I still think about this stuff when I leave. And yeah. Try yeah. to come to my own, like, ideas about it, but I, like, I appreciate that that's your, your, Belief. Yeah, and I'd go home and yeah, go home and look at it. And, and honestly, like, because I, I became a believer 17 years old. I went to college. I actually got interested in the world, got interested in philosophy. Before that, I just, like, not put you down, skateboard. I just want to skateboard, chase girls. You know what I mean? That's that, kind of like we did in high school. We tried to do Not that I was good at either, but that, yeah, that, was, that was the basic MO. And I became a believer. And, like, I literally like, cheated on everything growing up. Like, all I've, youngest of five, used all their papers. If I could find one of their papers, something I could use, handle all those in. And so I got to college. I honestly was like, I don't even know how to use a comma properly. You know what I mean? You know, it was just kind of like, uh, there's an end. I'll use one right before there. And then, but then suddenly I was interested. I was like, wow, I want to learn. So point being is, I think if you really pursue the truth and you're able to step back and look at some of these things, yeah, you, uh, you know, obviously I believe if you pursue the truth, you're going to end up to God because uh, he is the truth ultimately. Um, and I think that the other world views and the other philosophies, um, even like Darwin, I think it does, has explanatory power. So I don't want to totally say, no, it's absolutely stupid. There is no explanatory power. Um, I think it has some explanatory power, but it, I don't think it explains all things um, as well as they could. And whereas I do think the integration of Christianity explains the world I'm in, how I know the world, and my ethics. So the, kind of the philosophy, epistemology, and ethics, those things to me cohere in Christianity, whereas all other philosophies, I can't take one realm seriously. You know what I mean? And because what I think other philosophies do, because they don't have the true God, they take something in creation and absolutize that, if that makes sense. And so we absolutize material things, and we get rid of these things, or we absolutize the mind. So like Descartes will I don't know anything of this, but I'll absolutize my thinking. So, whereas what I want to do is bring together my thinking and the material world, as well as my ethical world and all that sort of. So anyway, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, so I'd encourage you to seek it. Yeah, so that's where we're coming from. So it doesn't always come out in there because you have a whole hubble blue going on, but that's, that's, that's the goal and that's the gist. Yeah.
Interesting. Yeah, okay. good. And what's your name again? Eli. Eli, nice to meet you. God bless you, man. Uh, so part of the nature of that conversation was a man who had been listening to me for the previous hour or so while I was preaching, and so I'm just seeking to clarify things. So um, there are often times when I am sitting there and people are coming up discussing, uh, there are sometimes that is a bit more uh, straightforward evangelism. Sometimes I'm just seeking to be uh, descriptive of what it is we believe, laying out the information, and part of that depends on how humble the student is and all that sort of stuff. And so with a guy like Eli, I I kind of thought my best bet with him at that point um, was going much more just kind of seeking to describe uh, what it is um, that we believe and kind of why we pursue things the way we pursue things. Um, And he just seemed uh, extremely open. And um, now the next conversation I'm going to play is a uh, young man who came up to me. He listened for a little bit, and he had a question. He kind of missed, and some of the people he was with basically missed. Uh, Some people were asking me a question. You know, everybody brings up Nazis all the time. And so I made a comment about – I don't – to be honest with you, I don't 100% remember what the comment was. But it was uh, basically I'm always like, if – um, you know, basically there is no morality um, in the context of this Nazi discussion if then we actually can't tell them that they're wrong. And so all people want to hear sometimes is we can't tell the Nazis that they're wrong, even though that's not at all what I said. What I said, if we can't judge anybody and if we can't tell anyone else they're wrong, we can't, therefore we can't tell the Nazis uh, that they're wrong. And yet everybody wants to tell them that they're wrong. So it's in that context that this young man who is a Christian uh, came up to ask for clarification. And part of the reason you're showing this is I, I was kind of excited that like towards the end of the conversation, uh, kind of the light bulb went on for him on what it was I was seeking to do. So that's why I wanted to share this one. Yeah, so the hard part is this. Um, so let's just say if, if I'm out there speaking, I wanna, I'm want i trying to do two things. I'm saying my position is this. So this is the Bible. My position is this. And so, so think about it. Hopefully we can be reasonable to say, but when if someone tells me that all morality is socially constructed, all right? So if I tell you all reality is socially constructed, and I ask you, if it's all socially constructed, are the Nazis' social construction valid? Are they valid? Yeah. Or, or is it, they are a social, they were socially constructed. Mm-hmm. Uh, valid is a strange word. Morally, no. Okay, but are they morally no because of the way we've constructed morality, or is there a transcendent morality that judges both cultures? There's a transcendent morality that says everybody's made under God's image. Okay. So when Hitler said, Amen. These so, people are worse, yeah. that was evil. So you and I are together on that point. But I think when, when you don't want to appeal to a transcendent source for morality, and you say, Nope, it's all socially constructed, there really is, like, to me, it's no different than if you want to play a game of football or you want to play a game of baseball. Those are socially constructed games. And in football, you have certain rules and parameters. In baseball, you have rules and parameters. So if, 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 and and I don't believe this, so I'm I'm thinking if the average student on campus who tells me it's all socially constructed is true, we have to say the Nazis is socially constructed, and it's really no different than ours. We don't like it, but it is a same socially constructed thing, just as baseball or football are just socially constructed games. I wouldn't say, you know, I might like one better, but I wouldn't act like there was a moral outrage if you like baseball, you know what I mean? But if you didn't want to kill the Jews, I would have moral outrage because I agree with you over here. The, one of the ways I know Nazism's wrong is they are that Jews, blacks, gays, anybody you want to bring out is an image bearer of God. And as image bearers of God, uh, we should treat them with dignity and respect and right. all that sort of stuff. So, so, that, so I never said they have good ideas. I would say you have to act like they have good ideas or at least neutral ideas on these things if morality is socially constructed. But we all know it's not socially constructed. And that's the place where we go okay. back and forth. Everybody out here today knows murder's wrong before the preacher showed up. Yeah. It's not because America tells you murder's wrong. It's because mur- in, in your conscience, your conscience bears witness that murder's wrong. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, 
but if it's just socially constructed, murder's not really wrong. We just don't want to play the murder game in our society. Some other society might want to play the murder game. You might have gangs in America that want to play the murder game, whatever it is. So that was my point. I would never, ever say in any substantive way that the Nazis had good ideas. I think they're wicked. Or valid ideas. Or, val or even valid. I would just say they're wicked. The, the, the whole philosophy from yeah. begin to end is a wicked system of thought. Yeah. And so, yeah, and th that's a place where people, it, it's like they come in and they don't hear like the conditional. And, and when I say if, blah, 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 then blah, blah, blah. All they want to hear is the blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And, and they plug their ears to the if. So if they hear the term Nazi, and I actually try to get away from those terms just because I realize people can't hear anything after that or before it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that word is just like a, you know what I mean? They, they can't think clearly. So, um, so yeah, that's that's all I was driving at, and it had nothing to do with uh, yeah no not valid at all. So nothing to do with validating their views, but simply showing that because they were a socially constructed moral system, they're they it, it, it's not valid. Yeah yeah it, 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 yeah. So and if ours is equally socially constructed, yeah. when we condemn them, we're just uh, we're just condemning them from our from our social construction. Now I see what you're saying. That's like uh, music to the preacher's ears. Ah, now I see what you're saying. And that's, for me, uh, so I would say when I first started preaching back in 2000, and especially during my seminary days when I'd be at the University of Missouri preaching a lot, and especially Christians, if they didn't really understand what I was saying or they disagree with me, I think, and I'm not even going to argue that I uh, showed tons there or whatever like that, but I was often impatient uh, with young Christians. Oh, why don't they get it? And the reality of it is, um, Paul tells us, you know, treat younger men as brothers and being patient with them and instructing them and able to teach them. Uh, because oftentimes some of the things that I believe and that I'm aware of over 26 years now of being a believer, 20, yeah, 26 years of being a believer, I'm just familiar with things that many young men who are 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old are not that familiar with. So my responsibility is to try to teach these young men. And so even though some of these things seem pretty evident to me because I'm often thinking about them, they're not always evident to young Christian men. And so anyway, I was just kind of excited that he's like, ah, I see what you're saying now. And so I wanted to play that clip to give you guys uh, an idea of uh, some days where it actually uh, something kind of makes sense. And so it gives you a little uh, interaction with an agnostic, gives you an interaction with a believer. And from there, you can give me your input one way or the other, whether you think it's good, bad. And as always, you're welcome to give me your corrections, rebukes. Uh, what is it? Uh, any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, uh, etc. I kind of forget what it is. So uh, it's late. I'm tired. I'm exhausted from preaching. Um, I do ask that you'd pray for us. We've had great, great meetings over the previous two weeks, literally every day, 100, 150 kids coming out uh, to interact, except for one day. There's been probably 50, and it was a pretty, probably the most raucous day on campus. Um, but things are going great, and so we covet your prayers. We appreciate your prayers. As always, feel free to contact me, Campus Evangel, on the Twitter, Campus Preacher on Instagram, or reach me, Keith, at CampusPreacher.com with any questions, comments, demands, rebukes, and exhortations. Uh, we'll talk to you next week with a few more clips and whatever the little issues are of the day is. God bless you. Behold, a sore went forth to sow, bearing precious seed in his hand, hoping and hope that he might